against the chill of night. Ancient stories bring life to imagination through tales of heartache and happiness, challenge and victory. The hope of resolution draws us deeper because we know there is still more to tell. you guys doing? Hey, uh, I hope that you guys pick up regularly uh, that one video that we had. Uh, we are not here as Christ Church just for here and now, just for us, just for this region. We have partners that we are partnering with around this world, and uh, that's an important part of what we do. You know, when we ask about, when we talk about giving, and especially at a season like this, a lot of that is so that we can support efforts like that, that we can uh, support the outreach that we do in this area. Also, um, you know, I hope you guys are picking up that monthly we are trying to kind of expand our own compassion and our own investment in the community by having these uh, regular type of uh, missional initiatives, these initiatives on a monthly basis that we can be a part of as well. Um, because <clears throat> we know that this this thing that we call church, that we so enjoy, uh, this life that we've been given in Jesus, uh, this isn't just about us, amen? Uh, part of the joy of this season is the joy that we find in joining with God as he impacts the lives of those around us and those that are far even beyond our reach through partnering with others. And so uh, I just wanted to highlight that again. That struck me as we were watching that. Sometimes we show these things and I go, are, are we, are we kind of getting what this means? You know, this is a lot bigger than just this thing we have going on here. Uh, we're part of something much bigger that God is doing. Um, I find that exciting. Hope you guys do. Uh, but anyway, uh, this morning, hey, uh, as I was preparing this message originally, I had, I had started out with the title. Uh, it was a catalog. We're trying to go along with this idea of the theme of the word. And so we have log at the end of everything. Catalog. And uh, it was called Catalog, God's To-Do List. And my thinking was that most of, you know, when we think, when we can remember all the things that God has done for us, that is where our joy comes from. And, and that's, generally, uh, that's generally true, uh, and, and God told us, you know, in the announcement that, that was read this morning, uh, that the angel gave, God told us that there would be something about Jesus arriving, it was going to bring joy. And so we're going to look again at those words from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 11, if you'd stand with me and uh, listen to these words that the angel spoke. These are God's word uh, in his word. It says, in Luke 2, 8 through 11. In the vicinity of Bethlehem where Jesus had just been born, there were shepherds out in the field watching over their flocks during the night. And suddenly an angel of the Lord stood in front of them. And the glory of the Lord lit up everything around them. And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid for behold, I, get, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people. Today in Bethlehem, in the city of David, is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He said it would be great joy to all the people because Jesus had been born. But in spite of that, in spite of that vast catalog, sometimes that we could rattle off of all the things that God has done for us, would you guys agree that many of us don't experience God's joy? There are times that we'll go a long time without 
understanding or sometimes we, we, we just absolutely don't ever experience the joy that God said that we were going to experience because Jesus has shown up. And I started wondering why. I started thinking about why that is and what can we do to experience more of the joy that God said he made available 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. Um, so this morning, while that title might not fit exactly you know, anymore, we do want to look at we want to look at those things that God has given us, but we also want to look at the joy that God has offered us and how we might know more of that joy that he made available to us through that baby that was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Amen? Father, this morning, we want to have our eyes open to see you. We want to hear, have our ears open to hear what you're saying to our hearts. We know that your spirit is in this place. He has filled this place. This isn't a matter of us not hearing you or not experiencing joy or not grabbing hold of everything that you've offered because somehow you've pulled back. You haven't. And we know you're here this morning. So we pray that our eyes, our ears, our hearts would be open to see you, to hear you, to understand what you're saying. Help us to kind of clear out all those things that clutter this in our minds so that we can hear what you're speaking to us about the joy that you've offered, about the son that you've given, about Jesus. So Father, um, come and make this place yours. Make this time yours. Set it apart for your purposes. We give you our hearts. We give you our attention. Pray that these words would be yours, that they wouldn't just be mine that you would take them and use them to speak deeply into our hearts, to transform us, to make us more like your son. We pray these things in his name for your glory by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Okay, so here's a uh, question. It might be a little bit too painful or revealing, but how many of you guys still have leaves in your yard that you're hoping to get raked up before the snow comes? All right? Right. Okay. So, um, kind of a crazy time during the leaf raking season, the yard clearing season, because the city has stopped collecting them. Right. That's not a help. And yet, I still have a tree I know in my backyard that's hanging on desperately to those leaves, and it's not going to let go. And across the street, we have this huge oak tree. Now, I'm not sure what the situation is since last night, since the wind came through, but it clings onto its leaves a good two to three weeks after everybody else is done. In fact, my yard's cleared, and then it lets go, right? That's how it works. And so I know all it's going to take is a good wind, like the one we had, and all those leaves, the leaves from my tree, the leaves from this one, I I could have the whole yard clean, and they're going to all come down. So I know I'm not done, (laughs) and that does not bring me joy. Right, And I know that I may not get done because it's getting colder, it's getting darker, the snow seems to be threatening closer and closer every time. I may not get done, and that does not bring me joy, right? I only keep at this task. I only keep year after year trying. Why do I keep going? You look at it, you go, it's it's kind of futile, so why do you even bother? I only do it because I know when I do get the yard clean, even if it's just for a moment, because you know it's just going to be for a moment, you're going to clear the whole yard and one leaf is going to fall from that tree, right? But, but for that moment, for that moment, the, the feeling I get inside of having accomplished that, 
I mean, I, I still, I'll go running in. Every year I do this, and Carrie responds to me the same way. I go running in, I say, "Hun, I just got the yard cleared. And she just kind of rolls her eyes like, I, I, come on, come look. She's like, is it gonna look any different than it did last year, right? Is it, gonna, is it gonna last any longer than it did last year? She's not quite excited, but I'm excited. Why? Because there's something about checking that box. There's something about that feeling we get when we're done with that list, even for a moment, isn't there? I mean, it doesn't matter what the list is. It doesn't matter if it's yard work. It doesn't matter if you're going down the list of presents you have to get for Christmas. When you're done, then there's that feeling that comes. And you know what I'm talking about. It's that feeling that kind of feels like relief and accomplishment and that finality. You're like, I can finally crumple up this list and just throw it away. It doesn't have to plague my mind anymore, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys, I'm not sure. I'm not seeing any real great laughter or clapping or even smiles out there, but okay, I'll keep going. But there's something that happens. I believe, and I believe that it's in that space, in that place of accomplishment, in that place that's settled where you finally know you can let go, that place of relief, I believe that's where we find joy. That's where joy, is, it, where it begins, where it lives. And because we know that, <laughs> we know that there's no joy in things when there's still loose ends, right? There's not joy in it. If there are loose ends out there still dragging your mind back to the place, you're not gonna have joy that comes from that space. You, you're gonna have anxiety, you're gonna have frustration, but there's not going to be joy. So the question is, what was that angel talking about when he said, he stood before the shepherds and he said, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. What was it? What was that list that was done, that thing that was accomplished that made it that joy available? Well, first of all, we need to understand some things about joy. One of the things that we need to know about joy is joy is only possible when it's personal, right? Isn't that true? I, I, don't, I, I might be glad for somebody when they have something happen in their life that's exciting for them. I might be happy for you when you get that promotion and you move to Texas, I know in your life, you might be experiencing joy. And I can kind of join with you in your joy, but that's not a joy for me, right? Because what that really means is I have a friend moving to Texas, and now I have all kinds of loose ends I gotta figure out again. I gotta figure out how do I either stay in touch with this person and try and maintain this, this friendship over a long distance, or how do I get down there, or how do I find a new friend because I can't, I can't stay in touch with this person. I, all of a sudden, my life of joy is gone. Because my joy, I can't experience joy when it's not my own. Joy happens when it's something that positive that impacts my life in something that's meaningful to me, right? So joy is personal. We, we find this in Luke 15. Jesus tells three stories. He says, there's this guy, he loses a sheep. There's this woman, she loses this one valuable coin. There's this other man who is a father and he loses one of his sons because his son goes running off. And when those things are found again, when they come back into the home, so the guy finds the sheep, the woman finds the coin, the son returns home. When that happens and they can quit thinking about that, when they can check that box, this is done, it's, I, I can throw that list away, it says, what do they do? They gather as many people as they can find, and they say, rejoice with me. Why? Because they have joy. And those people can rejoice with them, right? They can enter into a certain amount, extent 
and they can be invited into their joy, but they don't necessarily have that joy. Those people at the party aren't rejoicing like that person rejoices because joy is personal. Would you guys agree with that? So there's something that God is saying and that this, that this angel is saying when he says, I'm bringing you news which will be of great joy to all the people. Well, all the people, that includes us, right? That includes you guys. There is something in this message that he says, this is meant to bring joy personally to you. There is something in this message that I'm talking about that impacts you in a positive way, very personally and very directly. This isn't about somebody else getting a promotion or somebody else finding a lost coin. This is about you. And so we should listen to this because he's saying there is great joy in this news that I'm, I'm telling you, this good news. So, so what does he mean? What is he talking about this good news? Well, we know from a passage that Pastor Cheryl preached on, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, and she read this passage out of Isaiah, and it said, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, right? Uh, they're announcing peace. They're bringing good news of good things. They're announcing salvation, and they're proclaiming to Zion, your God reigns. Now, she, she explained to us, she told us that the situation was the people of Israel, they were being threatened from the north. There was an, this huge army that was threatening to destroy them, to take away their lives, to destroy all that they knew. And what they were hoping for, they were in, in fear, they were in anxiety. And, and tell me, fear and anxiety. There are people, and, and I would say that many of us in recent you know, years, in the last couple of years, have lived with a lot of anxiety, a lot of even fear at times. Whether it's the things that are going around us in our society, whether it's the things that are going on health-wise, whether things that are going on politically, there's a lot to be fearful and anxious about. And these people were sitting there in their fear and anxiety, and what they were hoping for was that the next person they saw come over these mountains was not going to be this army coming to destroy them, but instead it was going to be this, this messenger who would bring them good news. And the good news would be this, is that, that their God was still on the throne, that their God had somehow miraculously, even though they were outnumbered, they were outpowered, that their God had somehow subdued their enemies and kept them away and kept them in peace, kept them and had won this victory for them. And until that announcement was made, they knew there would be no peace, there would be no joy, right? Because it was a loose end, it was this list, it still had that last box, it had to be checked, it hadn't been checked off yet. But when that came, when that announcement came, this, this chapter goes on and it says the joy came. The very next verse, it says the watchmen who first see the messenger coming over the hill, they start shouting with joy. And then the next verse says, and then the people start shouting with joy because they hear what the watchman has told them about what he's seen. Because joy comes personally. Joy comes when God triumphs personally. So there's something about good news that seems in scripture and also we're gonna find in history. It has to do with a victory, a victory that is won on our behalf. A victory that is meaningful where there was a great threat that is taken out of the picture. And I want you to hear this. And the bigger the threat, the greater the joy. Right? Have you guys found that to be true? 
The bigger the threat in your life, when you find relief from it, the greater the joy that comes. Isn't there? Well, God says, this angel says to these shepherds, there will be great joy to all the people. This is an angel talking. He knows of a wider scale than we do about great joy and great victories. He says, there will be great joy to all the people, and that includes each one of us. In Rome, 10 years before Jesus was even born, there had been a message that had gone out to all of Rome, to all of the empire. And I mean, this was the whole known world at the time. And, and the message uh, that went out, it was also called, it was called the gospel. It was called the good news. And it was about a victory that had been won for the people of Rome. We know about it because it actually was carved in a stone that was found in this ancient city in Turkey. It's now in the British Museum. But it, it had this, this carving on it. And what this, this announcement said, it said that on the day that Augustus Caesar was born, it says, let it be known that a God was born on that day. A God was born. And he was the savior of all mankind. His work had never been equaled by those who had gone before him, and it would never be equaled by those who followed after him. It said that we didn't realize he was a God until he brought us the victory that he did. Because Augustus Caesar had come on the scene in a time where there had been decades of civil war, and he had, he had stopped, he had ended those wars. He had come out the one victor. It was a victory that ended those decades of civil war, and it brought in what would later be called the, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. It would last for about 200 years. Now, at the time they made this announcement, what, what cracked me up is at the time they made this announcement, they were 20 years into this thing, right? They didn't realize they had 180 years to go. They were 20 years in, but even on the basis of that 20 years of relative peace and prosperity, they were willing to say that Augustus must have been a god to even bring 20 years of peace in. But in this, they said a new world had begun. A new world had begun, and it had already begun by the time you would be hearing this message because it actually had started on the day that Augustus was born. Because a God had been born who was going to be the savior of the world. And it said, for that reason, let it be declared throughout the whole Roman Empire that the birth date of Augustus Caesar should be celebrated and honored as the birth date of our savior, as the birth date of a God. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like the gospel that later they would find Jesus born and they go, oh, wait a second, you think Augustus was great? You should hear about what Jesus has done. Thing is, the shepherds that were hearing this message, they were Jewish, right? So they knew about the victory over Assyria. They had heard about that. They'd grown up hearing the stories that Isaiah had told. They were living in the Roman Empire, so they knew the peace that Augustus had brought in. They were living in the midst of it. Now, the thing was for shepherds and for these shepherds, they also knew that the joys of these two victories, they were kind of short-lived. One was short-lived, one was kind of limited. They knew that while Assyria had been defeated, they knew that later Babylon would come and take them captive anyway. And then the Persians would come and they'd be under subjection to Persia and then the Greeks and then the Romans. They also knew that while this Pax Romana had been declared in all of Rome, that they as non-Roman Jewish citizens... They knew that, that that had limited effect. In fact, that hadn't changed anything about their situation at all. 
Every day was still a struggle for people like the shepherds. And so they kind of, I would guess, were getting a little jaded to hearing all these gospels that were being presented to them. Now, I don't know if you guys ever feel that way. I know that that probably impacts us at times as well because we're constantly being told, given, promoted some kind of salvation by some kind of a savior, aren't we? We have political saviors that come up and then they break their promises. We have, we have saviors of economic or economic crises that come up. We have, we have uh, marketplace saviors who come and, and the disillusionment comes because their, their product that is meant to save us is usually no better designed than the product that they were meant to save us from, right? And so we grow a little disillusioned. We find that there are those who come out and say, we will save you from uh, what's going on in our school systems, what's going on in our education, what's going on physically and, and medically throughout the world. We, were, we are here to save you from the things that are going on, from your psychological disorders and from your emotional distress. We have spiritual saviors that arise all the time that have the latest and greatest way to find spiritual salvation. But when they save us, we know that it's only going to be a matter of time before some other threat's going to show how limited their salvation is, right? Either limited by the time that it's effective or limited by the extent. It might not even reach us. It might not even have anything to do with our, our lives. So like the shepherds, we start to wonder. We start to wonder, how good is this good news? How, how good is this good news? And because of that, how how in reach, in my reach, is this joy? How effective is this joy going to be, this joy that's to be? Is it really going to be good news of great joy for all the people, and especially is it going to be good news for all the people, including me? Because, because I, I don't find joy in somebody else's victory. I just don't, right? I don't find great joy in that. Joy is personal, and I don't find great joy in a victory that gains victory for someone, but it's limited. It never touches my life. But that's what this angel has promised. And so we say, so what was it about this child? What was it about this baby being born that was to bring great joy to all the people? What was it that was meant to bring great joy to my life? Jesus was born. He was born as a fulfillment of God's promise to us, a promise that he made long ago. And he was born to show us God's heart towards us, that no matter what the mess was that we got into, that God was determined to rescue us. He was determined to draw us out of the mess we were in and to establish us in a place of peace, in a place of protection, a place of joy. Now, he cannot do that within this world, can he? Things are, people are too fickle in this world and situations and circumstances change too rapidly. There's no way. You can win a victory this week and then a bigger army comes next week and it takes over. He wasn't aiming to, aim, to get us victory or some kind of peace or joy in this world. He was aiming for an eternal, an eternal salvation, an eternal joy. A joy that couldn't be taken away because the victory would never be taken away. So Jesus was born as the, the promise. He wasn't looking to save us for a time, for a generation. He wasn't looking to bring in 200 years of peace or 1,000 years of peace. He was looking to give us a peace that was beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding, because it was beyond time itself. 
He wasn't looking to do something that we comprehended either. He wasn't looking to do something that we could, that we could understand because if we could understand it, we could have done it for ourselves. These are things that got into areas that, that we couldn't even begin to understand. It was a salvation that reached to the deepest parts of hell and brought us to the highest places of heaven. We don't understand that. We don't even know what that means. It was a salvation that he was offering that would go in and begin a transformation in the deepest, most hidden parts of our soul and to extend out to the, to the extensions and the expanse of the greatest reach of our, of our influence. Because what we do and how we live, sometimes it goes out and it ripples out to others over time and over space and has impact and consequences. And God says, God says I have come to save all of that, to redeem all of that. It was a salvation that reached back to the beginning of time, to creation itself, and it burst through the limits of time and brought us into God's eternity, something that would never end. This baby was meant to bring this final check to the to-do list that God had, not just ours, we're usually thinking about, you know, this far in front of us, right? Maybe next week. Maybe if we're really super, we, we, we may plan out a year. It doesn't always end up that way, but we might plan it. God wasn't looking at it. He said, I want to put an end, that, that last check, so that you guys can quit worrying about from now to eternity. I want to be able to throw that out because only in that will you find the joy, that I'm, the great joy that I am intending for you. That's what we found in Jesus. How? Because this baby, unlike Caesar, unlike Augustus Caesar, he wouldn't grow up and just win a battle that would win 200 years of, of stability. Instead, this baby would grow, grow up and then he would live among us as one, as God among us who takes on flesh. I want you to think about this. And that somehow, in a way, again, beyond the way that we, anything we can understand, because if we could understand it, we could have done it ourselves, but we couldn't. So he came and he somehow, he takes all of our brokenness, all of our failures, all of our blind spots, all of, our, all of the, the consequences that go out, that ripple out, the things that we do, whether with good or with bad intention, it, it, or that we don't do, that have, he takes all of that, he took it on himself, all of the brokenness of this world, he took on himself and he put it to death so it had no more power over us had no more power over our, our, our eternity, over our destiny, had no more power in our relationship with one another or with our God. Said, I've taken that, I've, I've upon myself buried it, put it to death, and instead of our life, he gave us, he, he, he offered his own to us so that we might live not because of our own existence, because, but because the, we would live in the eternal existence of God himself. We live in his life. He said that he would remove every barrier that stood between us and God so that we would never have to worry about that again. That wouldn't have to plague our minds. We, we, he would forgive us of all the infractions that we had, of things that we had done wrong. He'd forgive us of all that so we didn't have to worry about that anymore as we went through our lives. 
and that he would hold the future, our future, in his hand. He would become our protector so that as bad as things might look, he said, there's always, I, I have you. I'm going to bring you through this. You can face death itself and know that I have even conquered death itself. That's the victory that he won. That's what this baby represented. So the angel, when he came, he said, think about what that means. Now, in this room, I know, and, and online, I know there are those of you, we, we know that. And, and some of you, many of you guys, most of you guys have probably reached out and said, God, yes, I, I accept that gift that you have offered. And so that victory is ours. That standing with God is ours. That freedom from guilt and shame, that's ours. That transformation to be made into the image of Christ, that is ours. It is done. So that's when we say, so why do I not experience the joy that should come from that last checkbox, that last crumpling up, that throwing away of the list? Why do I not live in that joy every day of my life? And I think it's because we let things rob us of the joy that's rightfully ours. How do we do that? Temporary victories will only gain temporary joy. You know that? And yet, we invest so much of our lives in things that we know are temporary. They're short-lived. They're limited, aren't they? We live our lives and we invest in, in we, we invest all of our hopes in relationships with people that are at best mildly faithful but largely fickle. We all are, aren't we? We know that people are going to, even the best of us are going to let us down. And yet we put all our hopes there. Now, it's... It, I'm not saying we shouldn't have relationships and we shouldn't trust and we shouldn't invest in each other. Absolutely. But to put all our hope in, 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 in the things that will fade, things that will change. We invest in the things of this world that are temporary at best. We, we put our hopes in political movements that might gain, they may gain us 200 years of peace. They may gain us five minutes of peace. We don't know. Temporary Victories can only cause, bring temporary joy, and yet we set our hopes in temporary things. Imperfect victories bring imperfect joy, right? It's like diluted. And yet, we try to find, we try to make imperfect things be perfect for us, and it robs us of our joy. We try and convince ourselves that the things of this world are more perfect than they are. So that sometimes somehow we can eke more joy out of them. And it just means that we're even more crushed when they fail, when they, when they let us down, because they do. I let myself down. I put trust in myself, and I know that that joy is going to be short-lived. Fleeting winds cause fleeting joy, but we build our lives around fads, around, around crazes, around fashions, that are gonna fade as quickly as they show up. And then, this is the thing I think that kills our joy the most, is we try to get God to make promises about those things that we're pursuing, somehow making them, we're hoping that he'll somehow make them that source of joy that we're hoping for. 
We hope that he'll make imperfect things more perfect. We, we pray that he'll make temporary things more eternal. We, we, we hope that we can invest in the things and the movements and the fashions and the fads of this world and that somehow he'll use them in a more, uh, a, a more eternal way than they can ever possibly be used because they're just passing things. And because of that, because we invest so heavily in those areas that are gonna change, even though we know Jesus, even though, you know, in Isaiah, God asks his people, he says, you know, you guys have been given the fountain of living water and yet you keep turning to broken cisterns to try and find satisfaction. He says, you're never gonna find it. We let things rob us of our joy because we invest in things that can't help but let us down. And we put all our hopes there. So what's the option? What is the alternative to that? What is it that the angel was saying, this gift, what are we supposed to do with this gift that's been given to us? How can we live a life filled with the joy that God intended? First thing is this. Realize we do live in a temporary, transitory, changing world. We do. Which, what that means is we're going to have to invest in those things, right? I gotta rake my leaves every year you know what, they're gonna be back next year. And I'm gonna be bummed. Every year the tree, you know, lets go of its leaves and I gotta go out there and I'm just like, oh, here we go again, right? So we, we live in a world where that's true. We live in a world where our, our political situation, it changes. And, and so we might get four years of what we call a good president, but I, I can guarantee you in four more years, we might find things might change and they might go south by four more years. We don't know. But that's the world we live in. So we can invest in those things. In fact, we should. We have to. Life requires that we do projects, that we invest in movements, that we, we have things that we're investing in that we know are going to change. But as we do, realize that there's going to be limited joy that comes from, from a, a, an investment with such limitations, right? Just realize that. Keep Keep a realistic view of what this is actually going to gain you in your life because there are times that you're going to have to decide, do I invest in this thing that has a temporary gain to it or do I invest in this thing that actually has an eternal gain? And if you don't see those clearly, you're not going to make the right decision. You're not going to make the right investment. So the second thing at first is realize we live in a temporary world. So go ahead and invest in those things. That's part of living. But keep a realistic view on that. The second is this. Always keep in your mind also, especially if you, if you have reached out and received that gift that God has offered to you in Jesus Christ, if you, have, if you have accepted that, keep your eyes fixed on things that are actually eternal. Keep your life focused on and oriented towards things that actually have eternal gains and not just temporary gains. One of the things that this means is if you've received Jesus as your savior, <laughs> keep in front of you the fact of who you are in Christ. Invest in the things that remind you you are forgiven. You do not, you don't have to, it doesn't matter the guilt that people try and heap on you. It doesn't matter the, 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 the guilt that this world tries to say, well, you have to carry that with, you have been forgiven, you are his and that sounds like a cop-out to a lot of people, but you will not find the joy that God 
has intended for you if you're trying to work out your own salvation by paying for your own sins. It'll never happen. You'll never be done with that. You don't have enough. Jesus has given you that. Realize that you're loved by God. Realize that if you have been sealed in Christ, you're sealed with, he sees you as his own child and that will never change. You are beloved and his love targets you with his good, with his goodness towards you and with his love towards you. Realize that, remember that he walks with you every day and he walks with you as a friend, as someone he chooses to show up to be with. Put all other thoughts aside. That's the only thing that's true. Is that Jesus walks with you every day. Right now, he is with you as a friend. His spirit fills you. You know, in in Galatians 5, it says, one of the fruit that comes from the spirit's presence is love, is joy. Comes from no other place except knowing that the very presence of God lives within you. Knowing it. And you say, well, I'm not sure he was talking about me. Of course he was talking about you. Jesus was born to seal this thing for you. He died on the cross to take to clear the way so this could be yours. He just said, will you receive this gift from me? And if you have, it is yours. The Holy Spirit comes in and seals it in you and, and constantly is there to remind you. These things are yours. These eternal things are yours because these are the places we find eternal joy. Life can be crashing around you, but, and can, but if I know that I belong to Jesus, if I know he's right there with me, if I know he's holding me and it doesn't matter what it looks like because he's gonna bring me through, I can still have joy in the middle of it. Real joy. Joy that nobody can take away. The only reason, the only way it can be taken away is if I choose instead to, to not pay attention to those things, to lose sight of those things. So the third thing is this. When you're in your life and you're feeling, you're feeling, you know what? I'm not, I'm not sensing God's joy. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not experiencing it. Change your focus. Your balance is off. Start investing more time into some of the things that are eternal. How much time are you taking to find out who you are in Christ? How much time are you taking to learn the things that he has said about what he has done for you so that your mind is filled with those things? How much time are you investing in those things versus the things that you know are gonna give you a temporary fix, but then they're gonna go away? God says, don't don't lose touch with the eternal things. Stay focused on those things. Don't let anything rob you of your joy. Don't trade the things that are eternal for the things that fade, the things that fade away quickly in this world. Hold tightly to that joy. He says, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. That means you guys. Because today in the city of David, Bethlehem, has born a savior, an eternal savior, who's Christ the Lord. Amen?